0: Hello and welcome to the Cantankerous Curmudgeons. I'm Ray. And I'm Esteban. This is a show all about technology, hype, and reality. Thanks for joining us for the first episode. We're going to talk today about the oligarchy of AI. Esteban, what the heck
1: is that? Yeah, that's kind of an interesting proposition, right? We think about oligarchy So the rule of the few, and in technology, that's exactly what we have. You know, you've heard about the fangs. you know, Facebook, Amazon, Apple, Netflix, Google. They have complete domination of AI. If you think about the resources that they have, if you think about the amounts of data they collect, you know, the business models that they've created, just asking people for their personal data, all sorts of data for free, and then they can...
0: Well, well, and not just, not just asking for it, right? Just taking it, right? <laughs> Assu- assuming it's theirs because nobody reads the ulas, and they just click right on through and, and give away the keys to the kingdom.
1: That's a great analogy, right? It's like the gold rush in the 19th century. It was like nothing there, no structure. Somebody realized, yep, there's massive value here. No one seems to be doing anything with it. So I'll, I'll just take it and I'll keep doing it until somebody tells me to stop. And that hasn't happened yet, right?
0: Yeah, and and you see some you know early adoption of of regulation, but not a ton, right? I mean, even the DOJ that just came out with their you know anti-monopoly suit doesn't quite yet address the the privacy issues or the the AI stronghold that that Google has on the market. And you know, I guess you know from my perspective, it's it's the good and the bad, right? You don't get anywhere without innovation, but at the same time, when you have the rule of the few, you don't. You don't get that perspective, the, the difference in opinions and the difference in capabilities. So so as we look at this, how, how do you think the oligarchy of AI has, has helped us move sure, forward sure. in the AI space?
1: We have things now that no one would have imagined, right? Like we have AI embedded everywhere, anybody with a smartphone. We have people in very, very uh, rural areas of the world, underdeveloped or whatever, less fortunate parts of the world where they're struggling to make a living they still have smartphones and there's ai there there are smart speakers there's all sorts of facial recognition there's you know even the keyboards that we use to type on our phones have embedded ai most people don't even realize the extent to which ai is there it's invisible pervasive and it you know certainly would be very easy to argue that it makes life much better and not only that, just even much deeper things like um, network security, you know, packet shaping, uh, all sorts of things that of make the world go these days are based on AI. And a lot of that is based on really massive developments that have come out of the, the fangs, right, of the, the oligarchy. Now, to your point, what, what do we do with that, right? You know, we have some great benefit, but no one is keeping an eye on, on the whole picture, right?
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I think you'd look at the, the rise in, you know, ethical computing, right. And ethical technology. And it's because people are terrified by how their world's being shaped. You know, you, you look at AI and you know, the, the most, you know, pervasive uses of AI right now today are to shape the way we see the world, right. It's to shape how our opinions form. It's to, craft us in whatever image people will pay for to get in front of us. You know, it, it's it's painfully painful just the way that we're exploited. I mean there's there's no real great way to put it other than you know the, the oligarchy is exploiting the populace. You know well, they're mining us for the data that we have they're mining us for for our opinions and and at the same time they're crafting those opinions you know and, and, and forming them To whatever they find suitable or or to whomever's paying the most right how
1: how do people get their news you know so many people nowadays don't consume traditional media and they just have a news feed from whichever social media social app whatever they have no one or fine the majority of people don't stop much and think about how do those things get placed there you know who decides what decides what makes some things pop up and some things not show up so that Kind of automated curation that no one thinks about, or again, few people think about and are happy to consume, coupled with the fact that these are all profit-making enterprises. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I love capitalism, but we can't be sort of ignorant of that fact. They're not charities, they're not not for profits. And even companies that purport to aspire to loftier goals, like not being evil, well, you know ultimately you gotta pay the bills. <laughs> you know, they're publicly traded and they, uh, you know, they have quarterly income statements and they have a stock price and shareholders. I mean, that's the way it works.
0: Yeah, you, you know, I think it, it's funny, you know, as as proper curmudgeons, we've instantly gone down the rat hole of how bad it is and what dystopian <laughs> future we're being led into. You know, I I, I think there's, there's inherently some good to, you know, the the leadership uh, i'll call it leadership of of these these super tech companies that are driving ai right now they have the money they can invest it they can bring the best and the brightest together to do things but 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 at some point we've got to take that and distribute it in a way that we can actually use it to solve real world problems and not just to make more money Right. I like you, I'm all about capitalism. I want to see us grow. I want to see you know society do better. but at the same time, you know, what are we missing right what What kind of group think have we fallen into, or what kind of you know exploitation mechanism have we subjected ourselves to potentially unknowingly and 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 how do we get out of that and and a lot of people will listen to this and they'll argue that, oh, you know, We talk about social media and we talk about you know how bad they are well you know media has been doing this since the time of the the paper press right or the first printing press yeah true but it was regulated to some degree it was checked what we're at now I think and what you're saying is that you've got you know unchecked capability unchecked power to to push an agenda and to push you know potentially malicious and nefarious ideologies on people who who don't understand and don't know. And yeah. so so we can't we haven't yet figured out how to branch out in and hand you know AI to other companies and to break those things up and
1: and I wonder if it's even possible at well, this point to start doing that. Two things come to mind. You know, one is the the bubble or the echo chamber, right? People talk about the Silicon Valley echo chamber. I think that's worth exploring a little bit because so much of that oligarchy comes from the same part of the world, right? And that's yep. just by definition, even though the people in that part of the world now are extremely diverse and there is some diversity, maybe not extreme, but they come from all the world and, you know, there's strides being made to, to get some diverse point of view. People just by virtue of being in that ecosystem and that geography end up kind of falling into these attractors, right? They, they, they don't have a lot of diversity in their opinions, even if there's some diversity in their, uh, you know, maybe ethnic composition. And their or, backgrounds or their and all of that, are. right? Yeah. And then something else that's really tied to that is confirmation bias, right? Mm. That it, it goes hand in hand. You have kind of this echo chamber where they, you know, all talk to each other and they high five each other. It's like, oh, it's the best thing ever without really checking with the let's call it quote unquote real world right outside of the bubble and then because everything seems to work so well and the venture capitalists love it and money flows and companies make a lot of money everybody kind of assumes that it's all working out but i think that's worth analyzing a little bit right you know is it really working out and what can we do to your point to inject some some diversity so that we don't all think that everything is hunky dory right <laughs> maybe it's not yeah <laughs>
0: and, and it's and it's kind of scary thinking about you know the the fact that they've got all of our data they, they're doing these types of things there's this supreme confirmation bias potentially of you know living in that echo chamber and i wonder you and I are both working in healthcare. As these larger places, the oligarchy of AI starts moving into the healthcare space. What does that mean for us as patients? Right, what does that mean for us as practitioners in healthcare when you've now got these behemoths moving into an industry that is not necessarily their home base, that has a lot of nuance to it, right? one may argue that the complexity of what's going on in, in, you know, a Facebook or an Instagram or a Google is, is equal to that of what's going on in, in healthcare. And and that's not what we're here to talk about, but, but how do we, how do we block or change or exploit that oligarchy as, as the promise and hype and um, fantasy (laughs) of AI is dropped into the healthcare community and and even the life sciences community, right? How, how, how do you think we can, we can exploit that or avoid it and, 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 ensure that, that, you know, people aren't, aren't dying. I mean, it's one thing to lose advertisement space on, on a person. It's another thing to say, oh yeah, I'm sorry, we recommended the wrong thing and you're dead.
1: Right. Yeah. It's like the, the thing is, yes, there's a lot to complain about. I totally agree. I love complaining, by the way. I mean, there's nothing, nothing wrong with that. That's, but, that's think, my
0: bag, baby. <laughs>
1: <laughs> at the same time, especially in the US, right? we have a really just very dysfunctional healthcare system. No one w- would argue with that, even though the individual actors, for the most part, are quite heroic, right? The The all sorts of yeah. practitioners and providers and everybody, like it's not at the at the level of the individual, but just the way things are set up. And it's not, you know, it may sound like a political discussion. It's not, it's a fact-based kind of opinion uh, that you arrive at just by looking at broad indicators, right? Our uh, life expectancy, right? You know, the bang we get for the buck in terms of money spent per capita and any kind of indicator about, you know, infant mortality or maternal mortality, I mean, like all those things that, that, you know, everybody likes to measure the rest of the world by, we do pretty horribly, you know, in terms of uh, where we should be compared to Western Europe, compared to other quote unquote developed nations, you know, in Asia or wherever. So the opportunity is there. Like disruption is clearly needed because not only are we not in a good place, we're going in the wrong direction which is even scarier right so how do we take this opportunity for disruption like it's almost like the industry is begging for disruption if you look at anything you go to conferences everybody says the same thing we need change we need change we need change we don't know exactly how people have very strong opinions of where it should come from what shape it should take but it's necessary on the other hand you yeah, have the oligarchy right has been happily vacuuming data from people who are just handing it over or not even consciously but just because they like the products so how does that work in healthcare and even one more thing the whole pattern your paternalistic approach right where the medical system typically has, has an idea that the data belongs not to the patient but to the people who collect it even though it's about you you know, try to go get your medical records. You know, <laughs> you Oh, know? But,
0: but but so it's funny you say that, right? I, you know, but it's it's the same pattern, right? I, I can't go to Facebook and say, "Hey, give me all my data." Fair enough, right? You know, it, it's owned by the collectors of data, right? Well, what do you so, think about that? No. Dude, I hate that, but that's an entirely different topic, right? <laughs> that's, that's a rat hole. You know, privacy and securities is a rat hole we could run down for days. But what I want to get back to is, is okay, if, if that similarity is drawn, right? If, if we take that and say, okay, well, and I'm going to play devil's advocate, you know, oh, well, you know, we don't own our data already. So what does it matter if a, you know, behemoth comes into healthcare and starts doing all this work and controls all the algorithms, no. How, how do we, how do we poke holes in that? Because we're already, we're already, you know, just giving it away anyway, you know? And I guess what it boils down to is, is how do we ask the right questions about believability and, and how do we, how do we start trusting what's coming out of the oligarchy That's a big and, one. and how do, and how do we put that into play in healthcare? And I think it comes down to, okay, if we're going to allow this to happen, in healthcare, in finance, wherever, right? We as citizens need to be asking for transparency. We we need to be we need to be pushing for an ethos. Now that may be fairly grandiose, but we need to be pushing back and saying, listen, you're making all these decisions, especially when it comes to my healthcare, right? How are you basing those decisions? Right. I, I have an inherent trust in my physician because I know he's been educated, but there's still some risk there because you know, not all physicians are created equal. And I don't want to get a whole bunch of hate mail because of that. But it but it's true. None of us are the same. We could all go to the same school, get the same training, have the same credentials, and be 180 degrees out. Yeah. Differences exist, you know, deal with it. it, it. Yeah. Deal with it, exactly. But but how do we proffer moving into this 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 future of automation and this future of recommendation engines supporting and augmenting physicians and feel comfortable with it. You can't just look at me and ask me to be comfortable with it. I need the proof. And I think we all should be vying for transparency. How are you getting there? I don't need the PhD dissertation on how you're running your DL algorithm or how you've built that recombinant neural network. I don't give a shit. What I need is you to say, this is what I'm doing. This is the data I'm using. This is the confidence I have in that information. And this is why it makes sense.
1: Yeah. Like heat maps, like some kind of explanation, what came into the decision and absolutely presented in a way that makes sense, right? We all have the click through agreements. We all click here, click there. And really that is useless. You get... 25 pages of documentation yeah it may be legally complete it may be great but that's also a big problem so you know i just but we do we do this we do the same thing when we go to the doctor though oh yeah how many yeah. times have yeah. you filled out that stupid like paperwork
0: and just gone flip 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 i'm gonna sign it sign it initial sign it sign it i had no idea what the heck that thing said
1: yep yep that's that's a big problem so one interesting thing could be the idea of the ombudsman you know that the, what They started in, I think, Scandinavia with this idea that there was somebody in government who was gonna be listening to, well, complaints, right? People like us, serial complainers. But then those complaints were not gonna be immediately tossed in the trash, but there was this idea that somebody should respond. And I think some of the more forward-thinking companies, uh, I don't know if it happens in tech, but they do have um Ombuds people where you can go and say, I don't know what's going on. I don't like this. Can you help me? And you have—it's almost like a patient advocate, you know, in a healthcare yeah, system. Yeah, yeah. It's like a, a real person that you can have a real conversation with, without kind of invoking the avatars of 200 lawyers that are going to be floating around your head. <laughs> you yeah, no, is-
0: I, I love that idea. I, you know, I have a visceral reaction to the government controlling it, but but I like the idea. Oh, no no, I'm a, talking about
1: the, the companies right
0: an advocate yeah no 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 i i'm with you i i would even go so far as to say we need a you know some sort of neutral you know advocacy outside of the oligarchy but i'd be content with one inside the oligarchy at least you know giving the you know perception of giving a rat's ass about my concerns and my privacy and, and the decisions that are being made for and around
1: me well like you know perfection is impossible right like it's unachievable But hey, you know, we're here just ranting and raving. So why not talk a little more? (laughs) So Utopia, man. Let's go for it. (laughs) Right, exactly. So, you know, if you took the oligarchy and you said, fine, you know, we get it. You got here through your hard work. You're brilliant. You're developing software, computer hardware, everything. You're putting people on the moon. Awesome, right? Bravo. We think that's wonderful in general. Yeah, and I don't want to stifle that. And I don't think you do either. Not at right. all, but what we're going to tell you is all you five or 10 oligarchs, you know, wh- whoever they are, however many, we need you to set up this separate organization that you're all going to be funding so that we can have some kind of level of detachment where it's not the ombudsman at company A or B or C. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, There is somebody who, yes, will be pressured, I'm sure, but Once removed, you know, there is funding, the funding would be some kind of function, whatever, clearly not easy to do, but they would be able to be the advocate for the people who maybe don't, look. I I guess this may sound paternalistic, but a lot of people don't even know the questions to ask, you know, because it's really, really (laughs) complex.
0: So, so it's funny, right? You went exactly the same place I was about to go, which is, all right, this is cool. There's like one to 5% of the population that's going to understand this and they will raise their voice and they will say, here are the questions we need to ask. And they will actually ask those questions and they will put pressure. The rest of the population, how do we, how do we bring this level of, of need this level of, of pain and, 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 you know, overarching rule in the AI space that that touches every single part of our life now, without fear mongering, and and with getting to the place where we're actually calling for accountability. You know, you, you look at some of the new, you know, uh, documentaries that are, that are out there. You know, they and and they paint a really good picture. A little bit of fear mongering, but really good information. But but how we got to spread the mass, and, and and it's almost like we need to you know. Oh, I, I hate this because I'm going to like, you know, medieval Europe and, and talking about overthrowing the oligarchy here. But w- we need like the citizen uprising to to ask for that level of transparency and that level of accountability when it comes to AI in every industry, in every way that it touches our lives. I mean, you know, self driving cars are kick ass, but I want to make sure that they're making the right decisions, right? Same with, you know, robotic assisted surgery or, you know, automated um, diagnostics or, you know, recommendations for how I invest my money. All of those things. I want a level of transparency because the impact is so big.
1: I'll go to the sort of good old standby of storytelling. Right. Yeah. Storytelling is awesome. That's kind of you know, we're talking about AI and and artificial neural networks. I mean, this goes back to the days of the the cave dwellers and, you know, sitting around the fire. We're still, you know, fine. I don't know technically if this is true, but it seems like we're, let's say, quote unquote, wired in some way to respond to storytelling, you know, to be engaged by good stories, to learn more when the story is good and we can relate. So we don't see a lot of that, frankly, right? So Let's take um, smartwatches, right? We were just talking about that earlier. Amazing what they can do these days. You know, even embedded ECG sensors. You know, uh, the you know blood oxygenation levels. You know, whether you have arrhythmia, your pulse, your level of activity, your sleep patterns, and more is coming. But that's what we have today. So, in terms of storytelling. Unless you're kind of a health tech geek, like, well, we are, I guess, and you you go to conferences and talk to people and you hear these things, those stories don't make it up usually, right? So how about the story of the cardiologist saying, I have patients emailing me their ECG traces and they want a response immediately because they're worried about something. And meanwhile, she doesn't have time to do her job as it is so getting these outside emails she can't verify that don't go into the ehr that add liability she doesn't even know if they're accurately taken or not so the tools are extremely powerful but that transition from the amazing coolness of the tech to what do we do with that data and how do we integrate it i mean that i I would like to see a lot more stories about that because most people have no idea. They think yeah, it's not right? It's like, you take the ECG with a finger. It's like, Oh yeah. Then therefore, you know, I'm going to get diagnosed. Magic oh, happens. Wow. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, Oh dude, you know, it, it's so funny, right? Because, you know, it, it, I can't remember who said it. Um, something about, you know, scientific advancement is sufficiently advanced when you can't tell the difference between it and magic. Right. Oh, yeah. And we're totally there. Right. Um, and, and I hate to to quote that and, and not recall the author because I'm I'm kind of a bonehead and my you know glass is empty. But what I think what what I think we need to do is is, is exactly that. We need to tell those stories. We need to expose people to the power and and what's going on. And we've got to do it simply, you know. You, you go back to cave dwellers. So what I'm gonna ask you for next week, because we got to wrap this thing up, is I want two cave paintings. Describing the power and peril of AI and healthcare from you.
1: That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Right. By the way, of course, I just had to look it up. Arthur C. Clarke, one of the three laws. Any how, how, advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic.
0: Yeah. How, how could I how could I how could I forget one of my mentors? It's like forgetting Asimov, you know. It's, Ooh, terrible. Yeah, no, that's right. Yeah, that no, you gosh. can't do that. All right. Oh, Esteban, always good. Thanks a bunch. Thanks for tuning in to Cantankerous Curmudgeons. We'll see you all next week. Awesome. Thanks.